A warm welcome to the Creative Places and Faces podcast, the podcast that explores places that help to inspire creativity. Some are local, some even formative, and others are far away and sometimes rather exotic. I'm Mike Payne, one of the Creative Places and Faces team. Let me introduce you to your host, Jackie DeBurka. Jackie is originally from Dublin, Ireland, but has spent a lot of time abroad, especially in Spain. She is the author of Salvador Dali at Home, creator of Travel Inspires, and the number one travel and tourism influencer, Q2 2020, according to Global Data. Over to you, Jackie. Today's guest is Anne Smith. Anne is an international stained glass artist living and working in Northern Ireland with over 40 years experience in her field. Anne works from a beautiful rural studio situated on the shores of Strangford Lock in County Down. Her work captured the imagination of the BBC amongst many others. After lots of years working on large-scale architectural commissions for churches and public buildings, Anne is now channeling all of her experience into creating small, beautifully crafted pieces of stained glass art for the home and unique handcrafted pieces of jewellery full of meaning and symbolism. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anne. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So you're currently living and working uh, in Strangford Lock, which is an absolutely stunning part of, of Northern Ireland. Um, you weren't born there, though. Where, where were you born and when, Anne? No, no, I wasn't born um, born there at all. I actually was born in Cheshire over in England, uh, but my family moved to Northern Ireland when I was only two years old, sort of back in 1960. Mm-hmm. That's giving my age away, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> but anyways, and basically we moved due to my father's work. He was uh, working with the Irish linen industry at that mm-hmm. at that time. Yes, so uh, yes, so that's how I came to be in Northern Ireland. Okay, and where were you living initially when you moved over from England, where did you move to initially, Anne? We actually lived in Bangor, uh, still in County Down, where uh, mm-hmm. where I am now. So it's a small, um, well, actually, it's got quite large. It was quite small then, uh, seaside town. So it was lovely, you know, right on, right on the on the sea, which was always fab. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, that was obviously the environment of your childhood. Do you feel that environment had any impact? Did it stay with you even subconsciously, Anne? Well, I think well. I would say, yes, it's what sort of um, gave me my absolute love for the sea. I always feel like I need to be near the sea. Um, wherever I've lived, mm-hmm. I've always been, you know, close to the sea. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, because I was brought up there, it obviously sort of formed who I am. And, um, yeah, and so from that, I can't think of anything really, you know, there wasn't any particular thing about Bangor that, you know, um maybe inspired what I do now, but certainly, yeah, just that growing up there, being in that sort of seaside environment has sort mm-hmm. of formed a lot of who I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you, did you go anywhere else? I mean, obviously living by the sea, <laughs> was there any need to go on a holiday anywhere else? Do you have any other, you know, younger environments from your memory? Well, you know, I think sort of back then it wasn't really a thing to have, you know, foreign holidays. You know, I think it was about 16 before we had a holiday. I think we went somewhere in Spain. But, yeah, we would have had day trips, you know, to um, to go to, you know, maybe Tullymore Forest Park in the Mourne Mountains, which was sort of like one of my favourites. We used to sort of do a sort of Easter ritual there. And I remember one one year, actually, oh, I can't know, don't know how old it was. Mummy had bought me a little book of... Um, little observer's book of wildflowers and I was remember sort of 
trudging around Tullymore. I trying to identify all these lovely wildflowers using my my book, and that sort of really became a sort of firm favorite. And I still have that little book, you know. Oh, I actually use it in props now for some of for some of my <laughs> photographs. But I think that's what has sort of maybe spurred my you know fascination for you know flowers and plants and how they grow and yeah, just so. From that point of view, yeah, that certainly affected, um, I suppose, my creativity, if you like. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a, that's a gorgeous memory. Do you remember more or less what age you were when you were starting to kind of create and make any art of any sort? Well, yeah, well, I think you know, like all children, you give them a box of crayons, and you know they're happy as Larry. But I, <laughs> my first sort of like firm memory I think I was probably about sort of six or seven and it was one Christmas and um my Christmas present from mum and dad was this lovely little set of poster um poster paints and they came in these little jars and oh I was just so beside myself with excitement to get cracking using these but of course wasn't allowed to do anything till after lunch but that particular Christmas my daddy was um ceremoniously walking the um, carrying the turkey on a big platter from the kitchen and this platter split in two, launching oh, the no. turkey up the hallway, <laughs> which, <laughs> crashing into the front door, which is still absolutely delicious. But after lunch, then I sort of did this little painting of silhouette of daddy holding, you know, pl- half the plate in each hand with the turkey on the floor. <laughs> so <I> thought, <laughs> my mum kept that for years and years, you know, it's really? probably around somewhere in a box of something that I've got. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that's sort of the first time I remember actually creating a finished piece. It was hardly a masterpiece, mm-hmm. but yeah, it marked the occasion. <laughs> and what, and what, what did your daddy think of it? We loved it, of course. Did he? <laughs> okay. Yeah. We had a good so giggle years and years after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. And um, so, yeah, as as you grew up, obviously, you went later on what age were you when you went over to study in edinburgh um obviously a oh, wonderful city what what kind of an impact did that have on you what age were you at that stage Anne? yeah i was 18 yes mm. <laughs> full of wonderment and <laughs> arriving in this magical magical city gosh it was just oh so special because it was like so much culture there you know with um these amazing theaters and galleries and we would go to concerts and of course fabulous pubs <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah, I think you know sort of coming from Northern Ireland at that time because there was like the troubles there were no of live course. events no concerts you could go to um, certainly I would never have been allowed to go into Belfast for the evening and it just wasn't safe um, of course. but yes yeah, so it was a huge eye-opener then going to this you know fabulous fabulous city and of course, then going to art college itself was, you know, you're sort of surrounded by um, like-minded people, you know, all mm-hmm. sort of all gung-ho, really passionate about what we were doing. And, and of course, it was my first introduction to um, stained glass as an art mm-hmm. bo- form. When I first went um, to Edinburgh, I sort of had in my head that I wanted to be a textile designer. I don't know if that okay. had maybe come from mm-hmm. the fact, you know, my dad working in the in the linen trade. And so I was sort of surrounded by that you know at, a, at an early age but then mm-hmm. literally I walked into the stained glass studio at the college and that was me hooked that's it this is all I want to do just stained glass <laughs> so yeah that, I can and yeah I can I so can understand sort of, that it's, it's it's absolutely stunning um yeah now just to check that my my mathematical mind is working correctly you would have gone over there just 
to give a, a time period to, to the audience, you would have been starting off there in 76. Is that right? That's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, what an amazing time. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And then later on, you did so amazingly well in Edinburgh that you won a traveling scholarship that um, resulted in you in spending time in the prestigious Judson, Judson Studios in California. Um, in fact, you were the first woman that that studios employed. Can you tell us a bit about the whole experience there in the environment, Anne? Yes, absolutely. No, that, that was really, really exciting for me. Um, I was actually approached by the, um, the owner of, um, Judson Studios, lovely man, Walter Judson. Um, when I was in, I was actually in my final year, um, at art college and, um, I'd been offered a, um, postgraduate year, which I was intending to do. But then, of course, I was offered this amazing opportunity to go work in his studios. So, of course, couldn't turn that down. And then when I was given the traveling scholarship, that, sort of funded my travel to go there. So that was just, you know, perfect. Everything was working out fine. But then, of course, I didn't realize was I was the only and the first woman to be employed there. So that sort of um, <laughs> had a lot of sideways glances, this young 22-year-old arriving. You know, so mm. It was these sort of elderly gentlemen who'd been working there for years and years, sort of looking at me like, what are you doing here? So my first day, actually, um, they had a huge selection of glass to um, choose from. Gosh, it was like an absolute Aladdin's cave. I'd never seen such a huge array of glass. And so they decided my first day it'd be good if I would sort of, um, you know, get to grips with the type of glass that they that they had and, you know, sort of familiarise myself with it. And they just had a big shipment of glass come in from France, beautiful mm -hmm. um, mouth-blown mouth glass. So they sort of set me to unpacking this glass. Well, of course, I was only used to handling small English sheets of glass at that stage, which were sort of relatively small and manageable in size. And these sheets of French glass were about a meter wide. So I was Oof. pulling one out of the crate. It had a tiny little nick in the top. So as I lifted the Oof. sheet out, this thing split in two, went right across my wrist. I ended up Oof. in A&E my first morning <laughs> getting six stitches Oof. in my wrist. <laughs> so, so, uh, yes, that was a rather memorable um first day there but quite a dramatic start that. yeah yes yes <laughs> sort of baptism by fire and yeah but then sort of I'd been there about two years and then I was made a project supervisor which was sort of basically shop foreman mm -hmm. and that kind of went down like a lead balloon with the old boys in the studio <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah I worked my way through that but no they were a fantastic bunch of uh, people working there we had it's actually quite a melting pot with people from England, um, Ireland, France, mm -hmm. Germany, uh, Iran, Mexico, America. So real and all bringing their own sort of, you know, wealth of talents. So it was an mm -hmm. am amazing place to work. Plus, I got to work on some really huge projects that I would never have had the opportunity, you know, to work on here. You know, we worked on... Um, really large architectural pieces for Las Vegas casinos, um, mm -hmm. big va barrel vault domes, as well as, you know, wonderful um, large church commissions, um, public buildings. And, yes, yeah, so I got some amazing experience. And also we did a lot of restoration work then. So I, mm -hmm. I got to work on some um, Tiffany windows, so just like, oh, just touching them. Wow. It was like, oh, 
terrifying. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a, a really, you know, fabulous, fabulous experience. You know, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. It was really, really good. It sounds, it sounds, you know, from your career perspective, it sounds like a massive turning point, Dan, to have spent oh, that time there. It really was. Yeah. And just, you know, the experience that I gained from it was, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't learn anything like that just from, you know, from being at college. You have to be sort of hands on. And I said, just, you know, it was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Hmm. Sounds like it. And so you're obviously working really hard. Did you spend much time out and about in the in the environments surrounding the studios? Did you have much time to, well, you know, be I around? Well, I sort of, I did, a, you know, um, obviously I was young, so I sort of played quite hard as well as working quite hard. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but I tended to, uh, a lot of my friends would have been sort of expats. And yeah, we just spent a lot of time like going to the beach and, you know, doing normal sort of California kind of stuff. <laughs> so yeah, but no, work, did a lot of work. And I just, I really did did love the work. In fact, when I went, I only intended staying a couple of years just to uh, mm -hmm. gain the experience. But then, of course, yeah, ended up staying eight. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, obviously, a long... I just loved, I loved the job. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a long time. So you ended up, you returned to Northern Ireland in 1988 and obviously very well equipped after both your your college days and the eight years in Judson, Judson Studios. What kind of, in the early days of coming back back home, what kind of commissions and work were you doing at that stage, Anne? Well, yeah, when I first moved back, actually, um, when my daughter was born uh, out there in 1987, just the year before, so she was only nine mm -hmm. months old when I moved back. And um, because in, you know, in, in California at that time, there was no such thing as maternity leave or anything. So when, you know, I finished work literally a couple of weeks before my daughter was born. And then um, I worked as a freelance stained glass artist ooh, mm -hmm. when she was only a couple of weeks old, really. Um, and I worked for Judson Studios freelance doing um, design work uh, for them and okay. also uh, picked up with another studio, was doing design mm -hmm. work for them. But I really missed home, you know, having a little one. You know, I wanted to be close to family. And I thought, well, I'm freelancing anyway, working from home. I could do this from Ireland. So chatted with the people I was freelancing for and they said no problem at all so I moved home loved being back home um brilliant and yes in those in the first few years I just continued freelancing for um for Judson's and also for um another studio um mm -hmm. in 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 the Los Angeles area and then I was approached um by actually an old school teacher to um, create a memorial window for her father in a church in in Donahadee, which wasn't far ah. from where I was living in Bangor. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then I had to go in search of um, a studio to work with, so, you know, a, a, mm -hmm. a local studio to, um, to actually make the window for me. So I mm -hmm. did the design work, took that round to a few different studios, just getting a feel for whether or not, you know, I felt a fit, you know, and sort of obviously to check the quality of their, their work. And uh, that's when I came across um, CWS um, Design, who are based in Lisburn. And mm -hmm. we really, really hit it off. I loved the work they were doing. They loved, you know, I showed them previous work that I'd done. They loved what I was doing. So, yeah, that was, I was actually, so they made that window for me. And then actually that was the beginning of a really good relationship. I'm still working with them with them now and so I do you know a lot of their design work for them on 
big projects, they they make the windows up for me and do all the installations. So yeah, so that that worked out that worked out really well. So yeah, still still working with them and yeah. So that was quite that, that was quite about. lucky. That was quite lucky, Anne. Um, first of all, that you were able to get back to your roots, obviously, you know, with your your little daughter at that stage. And yeah. secondly, that you you had such a a brilliant connection with CWS once you found each other um, on your own turf, if you like. Yes, absolutely. No, it worked out worked out very well and close enough to you see for me to you know go and you know I could go select the glass for a particular job and you know check it mm-hmm. at each stage and yeah, so it's it's been a really really good good relationship. Brilliant, brilliant. Listen. Moving on to 2012, obviously, what I assume would have been a very exciting mo- moment in your life. You were approached by the BBC. What actually triggered this and what was the project that came out of this, Anne? Yes, well, they actually got in touch with me um, because sort of it was 2012. They were, um, um, we were just getting ready to open the um, Titanic building because like, I mm-hmm. think 2012, so 100 years, I think, since the Titanic sunk. It's like, gosh. Not many people would celebrate something sinking, but yes, <laughs> here in Ireland we do. <laughs> but yeah, so they want basically that what they wanted, the BBC wanted to create a series of, um, I think they call them identity trails, uh, where they just, they wanted to celebrate, um, local, um, well, not look sort of traditional crafts that would have been used in the making of Titanic. And of course, stained glass was one of them because they had lots of stained glass windows um, on mm-hmm. the Titanic. So basically they'd seen a window that I did um, for Belfast City Hall, their centenary window, um, which sort of featured Titanic. And so they wanted me to create um, a window in the style of the type of thing that would have been, you know, on Titanic. So they commissioned this. So I had to actually make two windows because I had to have one that they could film complete. Um, mm-hmm. which featured the BBC Northern Ireland logo in, in the centre of it, almost mm-hmm. like a sort of heraldic thing. And then also they wanted to film it in various stages. So I had to have one that, you know, I was letting up and another one that was partially cut. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, but it was great. And, it, you know, good exposure as well, because gosh, of I course. think they, were, they played that for over a year. It was usually sort of on just before the news or mm-hmm. <laughs> the end of EastEnders, something like that. Yes. But yeah, it important good, times good of the day. <laughs> don't know that yeah, I that's actually got any work as a result of it, you know, but people would pop into the studio and say, oh, are you that lady off the telly? Which <laughs> <So, laughs> is kind of strange. Yeah. But no, it was it was a good opportunity. It was a it was a nice commission to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And the environment that you're obviously working from at the moment, um, it is really stunning. Of course, there's a lot of stunning places in Ireland, but it is really, really stunning. And I can imagine as a creative person, I can really imagine how inspirational that is for you. Can you describe Strangford Lock? Because lots of our audience, and they won't have been there so far. Oh, oh my goodness, yes. Well, as you say, it's absolutely beautiful. It's uh, it's a very magical place, actually. And um, it's We've, we've got everything here, really. You know, we've got beautiful, beautiful countryside. We've got mountains, beautiful beaches, rivers. Um, it's, it is really, really special. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. just, and of course, in Ireland, we're, it's so green. <laughs> really. Yeah. It is beautiful. Really, really lovely. And there's lots of, um, really sort of 
this whole sort of area actually around um around Strangford Lock is just so steeped in um history and folklore and what have you. We've got some really amazing um historical sites, beautiful old ruined churches and there's one actually not far from uh where I live. It's um called Struel Wells. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful, it's, it is actually Wells. It's this gorgeous little quirky little building, almost looks like a little beehive and um, that has, has water. It's one of the wells. There's a river, um, running through. It was actually, it was sort of, I think it was actually built around this, um, created around this stream that's sort of flowing through this little secluded valley. And mm-hmm. it is apparently, uh, St. Patrick is said to have preached there back in the fifth century. And the waters are believed to have um, restorative healing powers. And uh-huh. people used to make a pilgrimage to the area. And then sort of Victorian times, they built like a couple of little small stone buildings over the water. But there were sort of like bathing baths, one for men and one for women. So there's still, you can sort of still see that there. But it's just... It's just, it's just, it's a lovely, lovely spot. You can hear the water does flow quite quickly. So you can hear this sort of lovely bubbling of the water and you just think, oh my goodness, St. Patrick was here and just, <laughs> it's very, very special. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, have you tried the water or anybody in your family or your friends in terms of, you know, do you feel it does have healing properties? Well, you know, I haven't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if it does or not, but I'm sure lots of folk around here would tell you it does. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, the area, you know, it seems not only is it beautiful, but it's quite magical. And I'm sure this kind of magic, you must feel it uh, and see it visually as the seasons change. How does it look? How does this affect you and your creativity, Anne? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, it is. Because, you know, we're sort of like in the countryside, obviously, you know, you get the amazing, you know, color changes going. But even now, you know, the sort of middle of August, this color starting to change already in the trees. There's some beautiful oranges and what have you coming through. But there's just a very, very um special light here in Strangford. And I don't know if it's maybe because we're sort of like surrounded by water. I mean, we've got sort of you know, this the you know, we're right on right on the loch on the loch shore and so you get, you know, beautiful light reflecting off the water um all the time and we get the most amazing sunsets and sunrises. Um and it really yeah, that I for me that's very, very special because obviously light is, you know, so very, very important to, to my work. Of course. And so of course the main aspect of what I do, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen this type of light anywhere else that you can remember, Anna? You think it's just really special to that area? No, do you know, I think it is special to this area. There's actually quite a lot of artists live around this area. And I think they, mm-hmm. you know, they all say the same thing. There's just something very, very special about the light here. Just, yeah. Okay. Just yeah. Very unique. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Going back to your own sort of uh, path, your career path, you were working for many, many years on large scale architectural commissions. And now you're starting to channel or you have been channeling for a while your wealth of experience into creating small, beautifully crafted pieces of stained glass, both for jewellery and for the home. Um, you've mentioned, obviously, that they're not only are they beautiful, beautiful but they're also packed with symbolism and, and meaning. This was quite 
a large shift in the type of work you're doing. Was this a conscious decision, Anne, or how did this happen? Well, yes. It, well, now, do you know, it, it, it was really a sort of needs must thing initially in that, mm-hmm. you know, we had that major recession in what, sort of like 2007-ish, roundabout, roundabout mm-hmm. then anyway. And that sort of saw my larger architectural commissions pretty much dry up overnight. Mm-hmm. They, they dropped off first from the uh, from the U.S. and the work I was doing there, because obviously recession hit there first. So the U.S. commissions dried up and then sort of followed maybe six months later, the, you know, my Irish ones sort of dried mm-hmm. up as well. So it was a case of, you know, I'm not going to stop doing what I absolutely love doing because, you know, it's. It, it's who I am. So, um, mm-hmm. so I sort of thought, no, I'm going to start creating smaller, you know, more affordable pieces. So rather than somebody having to commission, commission a, a window for their home, they can just buy something small to maybe hang in a window or, you know, and just still get that feeling of, you know, colored light coming through mm-hmm. and still, you know, experience that sort of same, um, same magic. And then the, I, I never went out, sort of set out to make jewellery at all, but it was just one of those sort of little happy accidents, I suppose, in that um, sort of sweep in the studio one day, you know, after a sort of busy day and was, found this absolutely gorgeous butterfly. I mean, it was beautiful, dead, but really, really lovely. Oh, I thought, oh, I can't throw that out, you know, because it was just so, the colours and everything. And I've always had a fascination for um, relics and reliquaries. You know, when you sort of visit... Um, old churches in Italy or France, you see these beautiful, beautifully crafted um, objects that'll maybe have a, maybe a little bit of St. Francis's robe or, you know, just some special relic that's, mm-hmm. you know, thought to be very precious. And, you know, it's then put in a little glass file and something decorative around. I thought, you know, I'll try doing that with this. And so I popped it, you know, set it between two bits of glass, sealed the edge and thought, you know, that kind of works. <laughs> so <laughs> then started making jewellery and um, not just with butterflies, but with other things that I found in nature, little feathers. Um, I would press little flowers, um, put those in and just loved all the symbolism around, mm-hmm. especially things like feathers, because people here have this very strong belief that if um if they find a white feather, then a loved one's close by. Um, and it's just people, you know, will find feathers, carry them around with them. So actually quite a lot, often people will give me feathers that they've maybe been carrying in a wallet and ask me to put those into glass so that they can, you know, have them, have them out on show. So, yeah, mm. so that's sort of like how that, how that whole thing came, came about. Yeah, I didn't know, actually, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I pick up feathers. And I have done for quite a long time, but I normally look around to check nobody's looking at me. So, because <laughs> I, I, so I didn't realize, you know, that actually around that area that is is kind of more acceptable, you know, like an acceptable, oh, yeah. acceptable practice, oh, if you like. No, yes, no, okay, very much. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. And your news. Your use of, of, of butterflies amongst many other, obviously the many other um, gifts from nature that you use, the butterfly symbolizes freedom, as I, I know you know, Anne. Um, mm-hmm. Does your jewellery creation allow for a, spe- a special type of freedom between you and nature's and the symbols that surround you? 
It does, yes, in that, you know, it's sort of now, you know, allowing me to it's sort of push me in a direction where I'm starting to in, actually incorporate actual nature as opposed to an interpretation of nature. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking that sort of little bit of nature and using that as the art, um, mm-hmm. which which is sort of, you know, has, has been sort of like a new direction, sort of starting with that one uh, one butterfly piece. And the butterflies, for me, not only, you know, freedom, but they're just this sort of amazing symbol of of renewal. When you think this mm-hmm. sort of like little hairy grub turns into this gorgeous, beautiful butterfly. And I just love that whole thing about renewal. And it's a for me, it's a personal thing because this is sort of like a it's a new journey. You know, even, you know, where I live now, it's all new. And so it's like this is a another sort of chapter in my life, if you like. So it's got mm-hmm. a lot of personal um personal meaning as well using the butterflies so it's it's, just, yeah. it's about to, to some extent it's about transformation and is that right it is very yes tran- very yes good word very very much sort of um transformation it's just yeah and it's so i think you know by using these in the jewelry it's like you know preserving that little bit of nature and trying to create some small little treasure with it that you know that mm-hmm. will that will last and go on rather than yeah be so blown in, away. In, a way, <laughs> in, in a way from what you're saying it's like as if this kind of shift in your work uh and what you're doing and how you're integrating pieces of nature it's like it's almost mirroring the transformation that you're having that you've mentioned about the area and so on isn't it oh very much so yes yeah no mm-hmm. i think that's exactly what it does and it's just you know I'm just delighted that other people appreciated us, <laughs> appreciated it as well, you know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm able to sort of, you know, use that as, you know, part of the work that I create. Mm-hmm. And when you're out and about in nature, do you feel there are like, let's call them angels or nature spirits around you? Well, I think I'd be um, maybe a little more inclined to say that a feel I'm surrounded maybe by a special kind of energy and, and magic mm-hmm. and um, more the spirit of nature rather than little nature spirits, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Although I think there's probably quite a lot of people around here who'll tell you there's fairies and, and all the rest of it. But uh, I know, but, but you're not yeah. meant to talk about the fairies, are you? It's no, meant to be bad luck no. to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> and you certainly never cut down a hawthorn tree. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. I mean, I can, I can be like totally stopped in my tracks, you know. Like if I'm on my way to the studio, and um, maybe just the way the lights coming through the trees, and you know, this creating beautiful patterns on the pathway, or you know, just sort of like looking at um, forms, like the perfect, perfect spiral you get, um, and as a ferns opening up, and you know. So for me, that's sort of like the magic where you get almost like a, a mystical experience from from looking at all these, you know, beautiful things within nature. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that makes I sense. I mean, you've mentioned, yeah. <laughs> you've mentioned light. I mean, light, I can imagine, is an integral part of, of all types of, all of the types of creation that you're working with. Um, would you say, Anne, that light is captured or manipulated in your work? How does it affect both the stained glass and the jewellery that you work with? 
Well, oh, well, yeah. Light, of course, well, light's the most important aspect of, of any stained glass window um, because of the relationship that exists between the glass and the light. I think that's what makes it, you know, really quite unique among the arts because what with the light you're dealing with, um, with refracted light rather than reflected um, mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. So in, in that way, I sort of, I think of stained glass almost like a sort of atmospheric art because of the way you know you're using the light and you can manipulate the light with you know different types of um glass whether you're using i use a lot of crystals um in my work but also in you know the color that you select because color has a huge effect on on your senses and and how you feel um and for instance i did a, a large window for a hospital chapel um when i was out in california and for that i used a lot of mouth blown glass but using beautiful um deep cool blues a lot of soft grays just to create that wonderful soothing cool calming atmosphere which mm-hmm. was what required obviously in a hospital chapel you don't want bright garish colors screaming at you no, through the light no. so you can't by by manipulating the amount of light that comes in and the transmission of the light and the vibrance of the you know the sort of like vibrations almost of the of the light um you're sort of creating this atmosphere you know within mm-hmm. within an interior and then in the in the smaller pieces that you know I'm working on now you know I use a lot of bevels I use a lot of crystals and so then when the light catches those and you get these lovely rainbows you know sort of dancing on the walls and and what have you? I mean, gosh, it just you know, such a delight. It sort of wakens the inner child in you, if you like, and you see these yeah. rainbows on on the walls. The jewelry, yeah, oh, in the yeah, the jewelry's different. I think you're asking about that in that it's um, that's using very much reflected light because, for instance, in the in the butterfly wings, the um, the color that I learned recently is not from pigment, but it's from tiny little scales. And it's mm-hmm. the way the light is bounced off those that creates this wonderful iridescence in them. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, it's like using just the light in, in a different way. So it's, you know, one's using a lot of refracted and then the other's, you know, um, reflected light. But yeah, it's definitely the most important thing in, in my work mm-hmm. is the light. This episode of the Creative Places and Faces podcast is sponsored by Property Insurance Center. Property Insurance Center's sponsorship helps to support the local economy by promoting not only local writers, artists, and craftspeople, but also entities involved in travel, tourism, and hospitality. This first series of the Creative Places and Faces podcast has an exciting lineup of guests, including Jan Carson, Henry McDonald, Ann Smith, Malachi O'Doherty, Andrea Spencer, Helen Sharkey, Emma Thorpe, and many others. Today's sponsor, Property Insurance Center, specializes in commercial and residential property insurance and all types of business insurance. Originally established in 1976, this family insurance brokerage has served thousands of businesses and families just like you over the decades. To discover more or become a sponsor, click on the sponsorship link below this podcast. And now back to you, Jackie. Okay. Now, there's so many elements, obviously, that we've talked through the you know, the pieces of nature that, you know, you take as gifts and, and incorporate into your work and um, the use of the white feathers that we've talked about. You have 
some amazing pieces that I've been really enjoying, really enjoying looking at. Would you like to describe some of your signature collection pieces, Anne? Well, yeah. Um, well, obviously, there's the um, there's the jewellery that's, um, you know, just sort of basic, you know, what I sort of think of almost as um, sort of nature's reliquaries. And then um, I make um, I do a, a collection of um, candle holders and tea light holders using various different types of glass. And then, like I say, these hanging pieces that you can hang in windows. And I sort of I call that collection sunshine after the rain just really because of these you know it's that whole sort of um transformation thing again and beautiful rainbows coming through the coming through the crystals and yeah that's sort of like the the sort of main collections that i have on on the go at present okay and we can't uh forget to mention the exceptionally wonderful environment that you found yourself to be creating in talk to us about your studio Anne. Oh, well, I have to pinch myself. <laughs> I have an amazing studio in the grounds of um, Castle Ward, which is a National Trust property. So I'm right mm -hmm. on the shores of the loch and it is beautiful. It's a bit of an old rambly building, <laughs> you know, but okay. the location is quite, quite fabulous. It really is beautiful. So mm -hmm. I mean, I can just make a cup of tea and take a walk along the shore and <laughs> get wow. my head cleared and, yeah, go back to work again, which is very, very special. And it's actually um, where my studio is located. It's down in the old farmyard area. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I share that with a with a with a painter, Paola uh, Signoretti, an Italian lady. Who's, um, okay. She paints. Her. Obviously, we can't work together at the moment the way things are. Um, of so course. We're working yeah. separately. But. Mm -hmm. On the plus side, it means we have every other weekend off so <laughs> because we're not both working together. But no, it's a very, very special. It's a very special place. And actually, I, for any sort of Game of Thrones fans, it's where they where they filmed Winterfell um, ah. is where my studio is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, of course, the next question is, do you leave that studio and, and go somewhere far away or do you actually live close by, Anne? Oh, no, I am so, so lucky. I used to travel an hour to get there and an hour to get back. But always, mm -hmm. you know, because I was living in Bangor at that time and I would get there's a, um, the Coil River and there's a lovely little bridge goes over that. And I would get to this bridge, come over the bridge and just think, oh, this is just so peaceful. And oh, I would feel like I was transported somewhere else. So I just thought, thought what am I doing traveling in every day? I just want to feel like this all the time. So I sold my house and moved to Strangford Village, which is literally wow. hop, skip and a jump from the studio. I can walk to my studio or I can cycle in. Um, mm. And yeah, it's just I just love living here in, in, in the village in Strangford. It's just beautiful. Really, really lovely. That's fantastic. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> now, let's let's talk about inspiration versus connection, because you're so Obviously, now not only are you working there, but you're living in the same environment. Would you consider that you are more connected with Strangford Lock, or inspired by it, or would you even think that you've even merged with that environment, Anne? Well, yeah, I think you know a lot of people tend to say that they're you know well artists tend to say inspired by the countryside, and which yes, of course I am, but it's not like I do. Um, I sort of represent these things i don't you know paint mountains i don't paint seascapes or it's more i, I tend to be inspired by a sense of 
feeling and connection that I have with, you know, with my surrounding areas and, you know, with the light and the water and, you know, say these um, beautiful natural. And it's definitely, yeah, I just definitely feel that um, just a true connection with the area and just how it makes me feel, which I think then, you know, comes comes out in, in my work. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, obviously, particularly with the light, as you've described it earlier on in our chat. I mean, yes, that must be, yes. yeah, must be so important. Now, for those people who, you know, haven't as yet and maybe would wish very much to go when it's safe to travel in the future to Strangford Lock, if a friend was coming from abroad, uh, you know, when it's safe to travel, where would your favorite place for your friend to stay be in the area? Well, obviously my house, but <laughs> there's actually, there's, it's a very, Stanford is a very small village. Gosh, I'm not even sure what the population is. There's probably only about 500. And mm-hmm. um, so we don't actually have a hotel as such. Uh, plenty of Airbnbs. We've got lovely okay. Airbnbs and we've got some fabulous restaurants. As, um, although it's tiny, we've got, you know, like three restaurants, Fabulous pub. <laughs> and there's, um, there's a ferry actually, um, in the village that goes across to the other side of the lock. It only takes about five minutes, goes across to another little town called Porta Ferry. There is a hotel there. And it's, mm-hmm. it's actually what my chums and I love to do. We love to, on a, you know, on a sort of sunny, sunny, summery evening, get on the ferry, go across, have a lovely cool gin and tonic <laughs> outside at the Porta Ferry Hotel, looking over at Strangford and then get back on the ferry again. It's like you've been on your holidays. <laughs> it really is super. <laughs> and so apart from, so let's say you're, you're out with your chums and you've had your, your, your lovely G&D and the little boat trip that, you know, makes, makes, makes you feel like that. Where would you go yes. for, for, for a nice meal after that with your friends? Well, we've actually, we've got a, a couple of restaurants. We've got one that's sort of, you know, a little more high end called the Artisan, mm-hmm. which is, um, more of a sort of fine dining experience, which is fabulous. Um, that's only been open a couple of years actually, but really, really, really good. And the Lobster Pot, which is sort of a firm favorite as well, has been open for a long, long time. And that's really friendly atmosphere, you know, great food, a lot of local seafood and yeah, just always very warm and welcoming. And yeah great spot as well two two very different environments um but both fabulous yeah we're very very fortunate here that's brilliant isn't it and you mentioned you mentioned that you have a great bar was that singular or plural you you've just one very good one or or is there <laughs> well, more than no we've, we've got well now one of the restaurants does have a little sort of bar area within it but no we've got one that's mm-hmm. just strictly a pub that yeah it's actually only a couple of doors down from my house it's a bit a bit too oh convenient <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's always it's always great crack in there too. <laughs> and what what's the name of the bar for anybody who visits in the future, Anne? It's the hole in the wall. Yes. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> An appropriate name, she says. Yes, yes. <laughs> More than likely, no. Okay. <laughs> so it it just sounds fantastic there. Um what plans do you have? Um, and we're, we're living through very bizarre times, as, as everybody knows. Um, what plans do you have for the next while? Any new collections on the horizon? Anything that our audience should keep an eye out for, Anne? 
Well, yeah, there's, um, it has, yeah, it has been very strange because, you know, I've had to have the, the studio was, um, had to have the studio closed for quite a while. I was only able to open it again at the end of June, but luckily I, I do have, um, some studio space out the back of my house, but sort of like a glorified shed, really, but <laughs> I like to call it my studio. And okay. so I was able to continue working and I, and I sell online. So, you know, that was <laughs> great, um, throughout lockdown. So at the moment, actually, when I'm working on a small commission, um, for um, just a small piece I'm making that's going to be heading mm-hmm. off to Texas within the next few weeks, hopefully. And okay. um, then currently, I mean, this time of year, I'm getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> so creating, <laughs> you know, new things. I know it sounds mad, doesn't it? But, you know, no, but of course, not. designer lots, makers, lots of you, have to, yeah. you have to start making now ready for ready of for Christmas. Course. So I'm in the throes of getting ready to to do that. Yeah. So it's okay. all busy. So yes, you, you have uh, for for the audience who are meeting you, if you like, online and and uh, hearing your voice for the first time. You have an Etsy shop, Anne, which obviously people yes. adore. I can see from your f- five <laughs> consistent five reviews, which for people who don't know Etsy, basically it's a hundred percent. Anne's shop is absolutely adored by anybody who's bought. So. What we'll do, Anne, uh, 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 is when we go live with the podcast, uh, which will be in September of 2020, and we'll have a transcription of our chat and so on. We'll also put the Etsy shop for our audience to see and to be able to go and hopefully buy some lovely Christmas gifts or, or for gifts for any time of the year. Fabulous. Yeah. No, Etsy's great. You know, it's worked out really well for me, like I say, especially sort of throughout lockdown, because it means I can, you know, Ship some, if somebody wants to buy a gift, I can ship it direct to the recipient of the gift and yeah, cuts out a lot of, a lot of problems for lots of people. So yeah, it's worked out very well. So Brilliant. yeah, I really okay. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So what, what we'll, we'll be doing that, obviously. So listen, Anne, it was absolutely wonderful. I'm, I'm, I've got Strangford Lock now. It's up the top of my list for, for d- different days, if, if you like. Um, yes. Just, <laughs> and the fact that there's so many artists there as well. I mean, I have, um, one or two, one or two people that, that I have scheduled. One definitely is based in Strangford Lock, but I'm not surprised at all that there's so many, um, artists in the area and at all from how you've, how you've described it today, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it, I think we, we're all sort of like pulled to this special area. <laughs> so you're very, you're very lucky to, to be there. And thank you so much for your time today and, uh, best of luck, we'll luck with everything now and, um, Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much indeed for inviting me on, Jackie. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Places and Faces podcast. If you would like to apply to be a guest or a sponsor, be sure to check out the links below the podcast. Until next time, from all of us here, take care, stay safe, and be creative.